Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. So welcome back everyone. As the elections approach, which is a reminder to vote by the way, but as the elections approach, much of our social media conversations and news feeds have been saturated with attacks and negativity on both sides of the aisle. You know, it's even to the point where Chris Pratt became the crossfire of that this week for virtually doing nothing and became the focal point of the Twitterverse. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, someone created a play on meme of which Hollywood Chris has to go. And so they put a picture of Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, and of course, Chris Pratt. And of course, it's the internet. Somehow they picked Chris Pratt. And what started as a joke became a political battle and vile, offensive uh, conflict on both sides. You know, people started throwing their opinions, their assertions, their assumptions about who he is, who he's for, and what he stands for. And it was to a point where there was just dark and offensive and even racist comments on both the right and the left. Now, don't get me wrong with this election, who we choose as our president will steer the course of our country in the next four years. But I bring up Twitter because it's a good picture of what our culture and where many of us find ourselves in today. That we often surround ourselves with more negative voices than positive and encouraging ones. And you know, that was the problem with Facebook four years ago, right? Even during this election. Many, it was a place where people threw in the political propaganda and where there was combative comments from random people that we didn't even really know that turned people off, right? People started deactivating it. People stopped going on it. Even Gen Z right now are totally abandoning it. I heard a a recent story where one of the new freshmen came in and he doesn't even have an account. He even made fun of our college facilitators who are in their mid-20s for actually having one. But people are not using it or people have ignored it because how divisive it has become. Even though in 2018, and I don't know if you've been following it, Facebook tried to rebrand themselves and their new mission statement of uh, to bring people together. I don't know if it's working. They try to create an algorithm where you're no longer seeing that guy that you friended five years ago, but more of the people that you connect with with their actual close friends and family. I don't know if it's been working, but I think that actually shows where our heart is right now and who we are as a people. We, we long to connect. Uh, we want relationships, but the problem is we often engage on, engage with relationships and with people that, are, that actually take away life rather than, pe- than actually give life. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how do we surround ourselves with people that are life-giving. In other words, what the Bible calls friendship. And before we continue, I do want to define friendship before we move on because 
our culture has lost the definition of it. Because for many of us growing up, the definition of friendship is really based on the number of followers that we have. And I remember talking to one student, and that's what he told me. He said, I define my friendship based on my Snapchat followers. I'm sorry, that's not what a real friend is. A real friend is not how many followers that you have. And it's not even the people that you hang out with that actually you have a good time with. They can be, and it's a nice bonus, but a real friend is not, is not one that actually entertains you. A real friend is one that is with you in your worst and celebrates with you in the best, even in spite of what might be going on in their own lives. And I think I know a little bit about this too, because even for me, I was lucky enough to be a groomsman four, time, four times in my life. And all the times, I was still single. But I want to talk about what biblical friendships are and, and share a blueprint of it because our culture lost the art of it. And so this is what the Bible actually says about friendship. And this is, and this is what it says. It says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. So in other words, if you walk, what it's saying is if you walk with people that are smarter than you, better than you, you actually become like them and rise to their level. But at the same time, if you hang out with idiots, they will drag you down. And you know, sociologists and leadership experts actually reinforce this and actually support it. Where the way they say it is that you become the average of your five closest friends. And it's a principle that they actually talk about. So I want you to think about it. Think about who are the five closest people and five closest friends of your life. You are the average of them. And if you can't think of five close friends or any friends at all, that's okay too, because we're gonna be talking about that and we're gonna actually talk about actually making friends. But why I believe that this is so important to address is because who you surround yourself with will determine what kind of person that you become. And this is an add-on to what Dr. Sammy preached upon last Sunday. And if you weren't there in the day in the sun, I su highly suggest that you watch it because he challenged us to examine our values and our moral foundations. And he was challenging us to, and really asking us what kind of life that we're building upon. And so if our values determine our foundations and how we build our life, I would actually go a little further and say, the friends that we surround ourselves with will shape it. And so that's what I want to talk about today. How do we create and build life-giving friendships? And we're going to go into the scriptures and we're going to find out how. And I'll see you in a few. Hey everyone. So today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 19 through 28. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, 
Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Bye, everyone. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we build life-giving friendships? And this is the first point, is to be selective in who we surround ourselves with. You know, why I say selective is because we often build our friendships based on convenience rather than intentionality. We base it on preference rather than values. Like, for example, this is for all the college students. You know, in our freshman years, we get so excited about meeting as many people as possible and making many friends. But a friend told me, and this is a great frame, that we make so many friends in our freshman year, but in our sophomore year, usually that network gets cut in half. And then in our junior year, when we live off campus, that gets cut off half again. And by the time it's our senior year and we graduate, we're lucky enough to have probably a handful of friends and maybe two or three after we graduate and settle into our jobs. You know, and it doesn't get better when we get older too, because as we get older, there's so many competing commitments that happen that makes it difficult to maintain our friendships. You know, we start settling in our careers, we find a significant other, we get married and have kids. And so there's greater, uh, greater competing commitments that holds us back from actually maintaining and cultivating the relationships that we want. And you know, that is the problem with our culture though. And, and, and that's why so many of us feel so disconnected and alone so many times is because we want real relationships, but we don't want to work towards it. You know, we want intimacy, but quite often we are afraid to be vulnerable and to go there to actually create deep ones. And that's what actually we see in the life of Barnabas and Saul. We see Barnabas being intentional about his relationship with Saul. And look what happens. In verse 26, Saul tries to join the disciples, but when he came to Jerusalem and he tried to join them, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. And of course, they'd have every right to be. And now Saul was persecuting them for many years. He was the one that threw many of their friends in jail and killed many of their family members. And so they had every right to be doubtful of who Saul is. But look what happens in verse 27. It says, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus 
he had feared he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, who is Barnabas? We actually met him in Acts 4. His name is uh, called the son of encourager, and you can see that. He was a guy that was first recorded to give generously to the community. And here we see him being generous with his time and his friendship with Saul. And you might ask why? And it's really simple. It's because Barnabas selectively chose to build a relationship with Saul because whereas everyone saw Saul's mistakes and flaws, Barnabas saw the best of him. He saw how Saul went out of his way to preach Christ in Damascus, even to the point of persecution. So he saw his values. And you know, that is the mark of a true friend. They see your flaws and my flaws, but they also fight to see the best of us. For example, I've had many of these encounters in my life, but perhaps the most memorable one, and that happened recently, was when I had to transition and move to Jersey about a year ago. And as many of you know, I hate New Jersey. It's New Jersey, right? Just kidding, toward the end, I actually really enjoyed my time there. But sorry if I offended you New Jerseyans, but I'm sorry, New York is better. Anyway, um, and so I abruptly moved to New Jersey and that was probably one of the more difficult moments in my life because the transition was something that I wasn't used to. It was a new environment and I was just really questioning my identity and wondering how I am supposed to operate in ministry if I'm in a different state. And so I was just clouded and confused in many ways. And so when I texted my friends, I was really surprised what they did. Because usually when I text, you know, they, they would comfort me through uh, a message, an email, a phone call. But when they knew how difficult it was for me and how disconnected that I felt, all of my friends right now are married and most of them have kids. They took, they stopped their schedules, you know, told their wives, you know, I really need to, you know, do this for peeves right now. And maybe they used it as an excuse to get out of the house. But they, all of them at the same time went out of their way to come and meet up with me in person and just spent a few hours with me to comfort me, to remind me of who I am and to know that I'm not alone. And, you know, and that was so powerful for me because I really saw my friends really come through in the worst. And they actually called me out to be the best because after that, they yelled at me. They called me an idiot, which was totally fair. And, but they reminded me and empowered me about that, of who I am, that my ministry and my occupation is not based on my location or how much that I can offer or give or provide, but who God has shaped me to be. And that is more than enough. And so guys, I want to thank you again for that. But that's the mark of a true friendship. And so I share that because I think a lot of times when it comes to friendships, you know, the mark of it is to be intentional, intentional in our time and to be intentional in our vulnerability. We need both to develop real life-giving friendships. And so that actually means that a friendship is not just about just, just encouraging each other and just 
saying great things about one another. That's just enabling. You know, we've seen that happen and you know, it doesn't work. It's just creating a delusion to a person. You know, a real friendship is one where they actually go and talk, they call you out when we're doing something stupid. They call you out when we're moving away from what we believe that our values are and encouraging and reminding us that we are of the best of who God called us to be. And you know, we're gonna need that because all, all of us as human beings will falter. We will make mistakes. We will be tempted and we will, we will disalign ourselves to what we say, what our values are. But the true friends are the ones that are gonna call us forth because when those things happen and we're trying to do what's right and it gets hard and we get discouraged, we're going to need those voices because those are gonna be the life-giving voices that remind us to stay put and build our life for something that actually is meaningful and to grow that's something that, that will help us flourish. And so that's the question I wanna ask you guys today. Look into your relationships and my relationships and let's look into our friendships. Who do we surround ourselves with? Do, do they help us grow? Or do they enable us? And so I, I want to ask you to take some time to actually examine that. Now, for some of us, we might be realizing that we don't have that many life-giving friendships, if not any friendships at all. And so if that's you, I would say do not be too discouraged because there is hope. The good news of the gospel is that even in spite of what's going on, we can actually start cultivating healthy, life-giving friendships now. For example, there is a principle called the law of magnetism. And no, it's not a dating principle, although it can be. But the law of magnetism states that we draw and attract people that are most like us. So for example, if you're a basketball fan, you're gonna draw and be attracted to people that love basketball. You know, and uh, I joke about this with Doc all the time because Doc makes fun of me and calls me a nerd and a geek all the time because when I get into something, I get really excited and I get focused. And I retort and I'm like, Doc, law of, law of magnetism, man. is like, I might be a nerd and I might be a geek, but you are the biggest one of them all. Because the truth is, if you ever talk to Doc and you ever mention space and black holes, you will be hearing it for the next 30 to 45 minutes. And don't get me wrong, it's actually exciting. It's really cool. But he gets so into it that he will not stop talking about it. So that's the law of magnetism. You attract and draw who you are. So if we want to be, and if we want to have life-giving friendships, it actually starts with us. And that leads me to my second point. And it's this, is that if we want life-giving friendships, we must intentionally cultivate a life-giving voice. And you know, you actually see this play out in, in the relationship between Saul and Barnabas. And look what happens as we go back to verse 27, when Barnabas becomes a life-giving voice for Saul. And it says this, 
But Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of the Lord. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, isn't that interesting when someone becomes a life-giving voice in their life? There is a confidence that comes forth. There is a strength that rises that you don't even realize that are in yourself. And to Saul, that's what happened where we see in the passage that he spoke boldly. And it was even to a point where Saul, because of this moment, because of this life-giving voice and relationship, ends up writing one-third of the New Testament. And because of that life-giving voice, he actually becomes a life-giving voice as well where now millions, if not billions of people continue to read his letters and are encouraged by it. And so that is a great picture of what happens when we cultivate a life-giving voice. We cultivate life-giving friendships and it perpetuates. It even comes to a point where it can actually transform a life-taker into a life-giver. So personally, I've been impacted by this, especially when I was 16 years old, when I met Doc for the first time. And when I was 16 years old, I was a kid that was full of passion, but no wisdom. I was an idiot and I was super arrogant. It was to the point where when Doc came up to me, he told me, he's like, Billy, I see your passion and your heart for Jesus. I want to come into your life and coach you a bit so you could do really great things for God's kingdom. And you know what I said? I said, nah, I don't need you. I pulled a Kyrie Irving. I know. I said, I've seen the people that you disciple and I'm way better at a holier than they are. You know, clearly my pride disqualified me from just that statement right there. But for those of you guys don't know, who don't know who Kyrie Irving is, he actually made a statement that says, you know, I don't need a coach to win a championship. And the truth is, I understand him a little bit, but I gotta say, both Kyrie and I are idiots. Any person that does something great or significant or meaningful always has a coach, a mentor, someone that is actually life-giving in their life to call them out when they're doing something stupid and encourage them, and encouraging them to be the best. And the truth is, you know, Doc has been one of the most strongest voices in my life. And I shared you so many stories over the years that in my worst and when I wanted to give up and when I didn't want to believe in myself, it was actually Doc's voice, the voice of life representing God that actually helped me pick me up and encourage me to move forward. And it's been so amazing because not only does he pour out generously, but even shares his platform. I remember one time he even introduced me to his mentor. How cool is that? You know, meeting your mentor's mentor. Right? And so he introduced me to uh, his mentor, Leighton Ford. And if you don't know who he is, he is the brother-in-law of Billy Graham. And his ministry has been solely focused on empowering and encouraging the next generation of leaders. And during his encounter, there was just so many moments that was just full of wisdom. But there was one moment that uh, came out that was very particular. And he said to me, he goes, Billy, it's clear that you have a mentor, 
but are you mentoring other people? And he said, you should be mentoring people that are five years younger than you. And when I asked him why, he goes, well, life is a give and take. It's great that people are pouring life into you. But if you want to experience the greatest moments of life, it's not only just taking, but it's also giving. And it's about pouring generously. And it's true. Um, there's so much to learn when you are giving and pouring out your life and being a, a life-giving voice to others. And I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm actually saying this as a younger sibling. I am the youngest of three. Uh, my old, We are 18 years apart, so pretty much I was spoiled. Everything was catered around me. But learning this and learning to become a life-giving voice and a life-giving presence to other people has really transformed my life where I learned to be present. I learned to care. I learned to realize that it's not about me. And it's beautiful to see when you, the joy that you feel of people actually thriving and growing, even in spite of where you might be at in life. And you know, I haven't, you know, this is not just me that I, I see this happening in, but I actually see it with one of our other members in our church, and he is a, a college facilitator, Sean. And if you don't know who Sean is, he is a guy that says some ridiculous things sometimes, and I could understand and I could relate, and he is a younger sibling too. But he's been with us in our college fellowship for over a year now. And it's just so incredible to see the life change that happens in his life, just being a person to just be there for these college students that have nothing to do with his uh, growth or you know, finances. They actually take money from him than actually make money from him. And you actually see, and it's just incredible to see how much he has grown in compassion, love, generosity, and care. And I don't think he even fully sees it, but definitely other people do. And it was really interesting one time because there was this one college student that came in and I was really skeptical about him. I won't name who he is, Evan. Uh, and I wasn't sure. I was like, this guy, I'm not sure about this guy. Will he make it? Will, will he stick around? And I remember it was actually Sean that advocated for Evan. And he told me, he's like, you know, Evan is very rough around the edges, but he has a big heart and I'm willing to bet on it. And the truth is, he was right. You know, Evan, even though he's, he himself does some foolish things, you, I could see his heart and his direction towards God. And even right now, especially with these care package event that we're developing and working towards, he is one of the harder workers that I've seen that's willing to go out of his way to actually make it happen. See, sometimes you just don't need a life-giving voice in your own life. Sometimes you need to be that life-giving voice to others. And that's what I want to ask us today. You know, what kind of voice do we perpetuate? You know, what kind of relationships do we create? Do we give life or do we take away life? Do we make people better? Or do we make them worse? 
And you know, the good news of the gospel in all this is this. In the beginning, all of us are bad in relationships. We're terrible at it because as human beings, we are selfish by nature. But when we see the life of Saul, I am so encouraged and, I, and it gives me hope because if God can tr transform a guy that is a life taker to become a life giver, then he can do the same with us. Even though we might be bad in our friendships, even though we might realize that we are toxic ourselves to the people around us, if we submit to God and His ways, He could really transform us to be a voice that is positive and life-giving. And more than ever before, we need that in our culture, right? As the election approaches and there's negativity on both sides and whatever that might come our way and whoever the president is, what we need more as a church and as an individual to be that voice for others, to be there for others and see the best of them and not the worst. And so that's what I wanna invite us all to. And so as Pastor Lydia comes for another song, I pray that we could reflect and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to each and every one.
Will you bow your heads? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition which is our SoundCloud and it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at 180church.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye!